0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome in, everybody, to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the BlueWire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. Fun preview pod today. Ross Tucker uh, from the Ross Tucker podcast. Uh, you can check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. He also broadcasts. He does Eagles pregame. He does games for Westwood one. He does games on TV for CBS Sports Network. If you consume football, you've probably heard Ross Tucker uh, at some point in the last couple of years. Awesome analyst. Awesome analyst really fun conversation with him that's up first and then after that Chris and I are going to do a quick draft of players it's like our own little daily fantasy thing where we're going to each pick three 49ers to have a good game and then we will together objectively discuss who is right and who is wrong on our Sunday night podcast so it should be a lot of fun Uh, but first up here is Ross Tucker Ross Tucker's here. He's the host of the Ross Tucker football podcast. You can check that. Uh, you can check him out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL and Ross real quick. I, we'll, we'll get to the football stuff. Uh, but I was poking around your social media and I stumbled across something called um, something called my front page And I don't want to take up a bunch of your time asking about it, but I'm getting married in March And it felt like the kind of thing that I might use for my wedding.
2: Um, Dude, you should absolutely do that. I've actually seen guys do that. So it's a business I'm involved in now. I've seen guys give it to their wives like the night before or their fiance's, I guess, or that day. If you check out the website, I think there's some pictures or videos Mm -hmm. of the, the ladies getting it. It's they love it because it's really hard to get women like a truly unique, different gift. Mm-hmm. And this is the easiest gift ever. It's like 50 bucks or hundred bucks, depending on which one you get. You talk to a writer for 10 minutes. They write the most unbelievable story about your fiance and whatever you want to say about her, how amazing she is, whatever. But when you say to her, Hey babe, I want to do something special. So I had a story written about you. That will, Kyle, that will blow her mind. <laughs> Like what are you talking about? You had a story. You'll be like, no, 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 I had a story written about you that will blow her away, dude. I'm telling I you. Love it. And then when she actually reads it, and it's like, you know, before I met her, my life was terrible, and ever since I met, I've seen the light. Whatever you want to say, I don't <laughs> care. You can make it up. I don't care. But the point is, is she will absolutely love it. She will have it. It comes framed. looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It looks beautiful. Oh, that's great. And you'll have it hanging up in your house forever. And so when you guys get in all your fights when you're married, because that's what happens when you're married, you get in fights with your wife, you'll just be able to point to it and be like, look, look, did you get me a story? <laughs> did you Did you guys hear it written about me? No, I got it written about you. Myfrontpagestory.com. The Perfect. leverage play. I love it.
1: I, that's great. I'm doing that for sure. <laughs> like I'm sold. I'm doing it. Um, let's uh let's talk a little football. Uh the Eagles defensive line was really good last week against Atlanta. Was that the Eagles defensive line being really good, Atlanta being really bad or like a little mix of both?
2: Little mix of both. Now, I do think the Eagles without question have a top 5 offensive line in the NFL. Their right tackle, right guard and center are all studs, perennial Pro Bowlers. Left guard solid and their left tackle Mylata. Uh, has an unbelievable ceiling and potential in his fourth year ever playing the sport at 6'8", 380, moves very well, had a great game against the Falcons. I don't think the Falcons' defensive front is very good. Falcons had a couple offensive linemen. Their left guard in particular was not ready to play. Uh, He's a rookie from Michigan, third-round pick. He got abused. I mean, they all took turns beating him. But the Eagles' D-line man is pretty nasty. I think they got six guys that I would not be surprised – if they got six sacks this year. I mean, they're not all going to, but any of those guys is capable of getting six sacks in the season. Hargrave, Cox, Brandon Graham, Sweat, Barnett, Kerrigan. So they can come at you. Even their backup D tackles, Ridgeway and Milton Williams, were really good against the Falcons. So I think they have a top 10 D line, maybe even top five D line.
3: So Jalen Hurts had a really nice game. It seemed like, and it and it seemed like Nick Sirianni did a nice job of, you know, getting him some looks to get the ball to weapons and space. Um, it, I'm just curious, as somebody who's who's watched Hurts a, a hell of a lot closer than I have, um, it, in what ways has he did, did he show improvement from his rookie season last year, and and how much of that do you think is sustainable over the long haul as as teams sort of understand his tendencies more and more as he keeps playing?
2: Well, so you said a couple of things there that I think are really important. So number one, it was just the first game. And the play callers for the Eagles on offense, Nick Sirianni, who's the head coach, and on defense, Jonathan Gannon, neither one of them had ever called plays before. So there was zero track record for the Falcons to go off of. So I think the Eagles actually had a pretty decided schematic advantage in the game because there was no track record. Now, I think they probably knew with Jalen Hurts, they were going to do some RPOs and stuff. So it wasn't like the Falcons were blind, but Arthur Smith and Dean Pease, you know, they've got years of work, years of sample size. So the Eagles won't have quite as much of a schematic advantage, like the unknown against the Niners as they did against the Falcons, but they really got them in a rhythm early. I mean, they threw wide receiver screen to the left, wide receiver screen to the right. Then they threw an RPO. They gave them a lot of easy completions, but you know, I say that. And what I wonder sometimes is why doesn't everybody do that for like any young quarterback? I mean, well, what's wrong with getting them easy completions, getting the ball to the wide receivers or the running backs? They get five to ten yards. What's wrong with that? Uh, most of the stuff was underneath. Most of the stuff was short. But the other big improvement, I think. I'm not even sure it hurts, Chris. I think it, he's got much better people around him. You know, the last four games he started last year, they had O-linemen that aren't even in the league right now starting in front of him. You know, the, the receivers were terrible. Ertz was hurt. They just didn't have a whole lot around him. he got a much better team around him right now. Do you
1: think we'll see more of that short passing game against the Niners, or do you think see him try and maybe stretch it out a little bit against the secondary that's kind of bad?
2: Well, I think <laughs> it depends a lot on how the Niners decide to play it, right? Um, you know, it's unfortunate after what happened last year, but the Niners are already getting hit by the injury bug again. You know, it's not as bad as Baltimore, but some of these teams, the Niners, the Cowboys, I mean, the Niners lost, and you guys tell me they lost their best running back. Mm -hmm. They lost their best corner Mm -hmm. and they lost the linebacker that didn't have like a 50 yard touchdown on Sunday.
3: Yeah. 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 I I mean,
2: that's a lot guys. I mean, that's, that's three guys that are all pretty good. So it's not Nick Bosa. It's not Jimmy G But it's still not good. So I don't know. I would imagine that the 49ers would not want to get beat over the top by the speed that the Eagles have at receiver with the corners they have. But maybe after they watch this last game, maybe they're willing – they got pretty good safeties. Maybe they're willing to say, you know what, let's make Hertz prove he can be accurate down the field – And maybe they'll try to take away some of the underneath stuff.
3: So the 49ers struggled against the run in Detroit, which was a little bit weird because that that hasn't been a weakness that they've had in recent seasons. And they were missing Javon Kinlaw and there were some gap issues with with their linebackers and and things like that. But um, do do you think the Eagles could potentially exploit that uh, with Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, given that? Um, we still don't know the status of Javon Kinlay yet um, based on what you've seen from, from the Eagles.
2: Yes. I mean, their offensive line, we talked about earlier. They're very, very good. Sanders is good. I have no idea how Gainwell didn't go till the fourth or fifth round, whatever it was. I think he's a stud fifth round. That's beyond me. Uh, but I think what makes the Eagles running game so good is, the, is is Hurts, you know, because you always have to be aware of that quarterback run threat. And so even if he just hands off, that backside defender has to s- slow play it because Hurts could pull it and go. And they have some pretty good counters and quarterback runs off of it. It's one of the reasons why Kyle Shanahan, not Kyle Madsen, is putting Trey Lance in. In some of those situations, when you have to account for the quarterback in the run game, it essentially gives you an extra gap or an extra body.
1: Um, Devonte Smith is a player I was really excited about coming into the draft. How do you think he looked in Week One? Um, there was obviously a big concern about his weight. Uh, just overall, what you what do you think about him and his debut?
2: Very impressive. Not surprised. The first couple days of training camp, they told me, I do the Eagles preseason games, and I do the pregame radio. Uh, They told me the first couple games, I mean, first couple practices, he was the real deal. They could just tell. And he only played one preseason game, the second one against the Patriots because he had an injury in camp, and they just really couldn't cover him very well. You know, he probably has – guys, you should see him. He's like 6'1", a buck 65, He is the smallest thighs of any NFL player I've ever seen. But somehow I almost feel like that lack of weight enables him to get in and out of his breaks easier, right? Like he's not transitioning Mm -hmm. as much weight as other guys are. So he's able to stop, start, move. And what I say about him, he is a space creator. He, you know, people say he's a smooth route runner. I think he's a violent route runner. Like, he puts his foot in the ground, and it is like – it looks like it hurts. <laughs> but when he puts that foot in the ground, the DBs, they're going to be two or three yards behind him. He's going to get separation. He is just – he he is one of those guys that just has a natural feel for it.
3: So we'll, we'll uh, get you out of here on this. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're going to talk about a lot of um, different matchup things. And, and I think the Eagles do present the 49ers a lot of problems in, in different areas. But one thing that might not get talked about a whole lot going into this game is just the atmosphere, right, the, in, in Lincoln Financial Field, given the fact that, you know, this is the home opener for the Eagles coming off a, a pandemic season where fans weren't in the stands. Could you just give us a gauge on on what the excitement is like around the Eagles following their win in Atlanta? And and could that atmosphere, given what we know about Philly fans, impact the game um, in a way that that might be a little bit unique for for a season opener this year, just given those circumstances?
2: So two things. Number one, I was a little surprised how well the road teams did in week one. I, I really thought that that would be a major factor because it had been a couple years since they were in, in, in jam-packed stadiums with the noise, but it wasn't really an issue. So that surprised me. That said, the Eagles fans are a special bunch, and they've waited a couple of years for this, and they're very excited about the new quarterback and new head coach. That place is going to be bananas on Sunday. Very important if you're a Niners fan that they do not get off to a slow start and they try to avoid third and long as much as possible because it's really going to put the O-line in a bad spot. They have to go to a silent cadence with the noise.
1: Ross, uh, real quick, you posted a thing on Twitter. It said, show me your beer. What were you drinking?
2: You know what's funny? Uh, I thought the guy said it was Captain Lowe's, some like lo- local IPA. I guess it was lo- – I looked at the bill afterwards. I guess it was Goose Island. No. Um, I'm, in, I'm in West Point as we're recording this. I'm doing – I got a triple header this weekend. I got UConn at Army on TV, Saturday at noon on CBS Sports Network, Sunday morning Eagles pregame, 10-1, to 1, and then I drive down to Baltimore. I'm doing Chiefs Ravens Sunday night on Westwood 1. Man. So fired up for the triple header. And, uh, yes, you got to follow me on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL. I always show the press box food, and I always show the beer I'm drinking. Where's uh, where's your favorite
3: uh, press box meal that you get in the league?
2: Uh, Tampa is excellent. I was very impressed by San Francisco for the NFC Championship game a couple years ago. Very impressed, especially by the Anchor Steam beer. I cannot – the only one I know – the Texans and the Niners, the only ones I know have beer in the press box after the game. And I had a red eye back to Philly. So, I wanted to make sure I could sleep on the red eye. Mm-hmm. So, I think I, I, think I might have been the first time to take five anchor steams with me to go for the Uber <laughs> on the way to the SFO airport. And then uh, uh, the Packers, though, is tough to beat, dude. Yeah. You get there at, like, 8.30, you have an omelet. Then right before you have, like, pulled pork. And pack and cheese, they call it. And they have a great sa- best salad bar in the league. And then at halftime, two brats in 10 minutes. Not many in, people can do it. In oh, Tampa,
3: they do, uh, at least at the two times I've been there, they've done Bananas Foster at halftime, which is just yeah, incredible. Yeah, that's, that's
2: next level. That's yeah. next level is to get that Bananas Foster. It's a great point. Great point, Chris.
1: <laughs> Ross, you've been super generous with your time. Uh, thanks so much, man.
2: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Keep up the great work. Everybody, get your wife or whoever a story. Myfrontpagestory.com. Best gift ever. And if you want to win your bets, even though in California they don't have bets yet, Hmm. uh, listen to the Even Money podcast. What is California doing? You're just wasting money. You guys could be getting, you guys need that money. Legalize
1: it. Don't even get me started, man. I can't wait. The day it's, (laughs) my life is over the day. It's uh, the day it's legal in this state. So uh, Ross, appreciate it, man. Thanks, Ross. See you, dude. 49ers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. You know why? Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what Tick Pick did is they got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. That's why I don't go to those sites anymore, because those fees are ridiculous. It allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. You don't believe me? You can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site. If you can do that, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers open with two games on the road, but they are back at Levi Stadium September 26th. It's a Sunday night football game at home against the Packers. My mom, my mom has already gotten her tickets. She goes with her friends. I don't have a ticket yet. I'm going to go to TickPick.com and get my tickets there because I'm not going to be charged service fees. I'm going to get the best possible price. And that's what your boy is looking for. I'm going to go enjoy the atmosphere. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there. And you should be there too. So visit TickPick.com slash Candlestick today and use the promo code Candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Do that right now. And we will see you at Levi Stadium on September 26th.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, Chris, let's jump into this draft. That's a fun conversation with Ross.
3: I'm curious about the caffeine intake of one Ross Tucker.
1: It's got to be unbelievable.
3: It, it's got to be like Dan Campbell-esque, I would think.
1: It has to. Unless he unless he's like one of those... Um, you know natural energy type of people where it's just like a lot of carbs and right um i don't know exactly i'm not a nutritionist but i know there are (laughs) alternate means to caffeinating oneself without like slamming coffee but my guess is he's a big coffee guy yeah Yeah. that's my guess i should have i would think so
3: too a big beer Um, guy too Beer guy too. You got to be, you, you kind of got to, like if you're a big beer guy and you're also productive, there's a good chance you're also a, a big caffeine guy.
1: Yes, absolutely. So <laughs> so it's like when I go beer tasting or wine tasting, it's just like I'm shutting it down for the day. Like once I've done that thing, I'm not productive the rest of the day. So to uh, yeah. do that and then be productive, I can't fathom the amount of enhanced energy Right. It gets used. So let's do this. You had this really good idea. I will let you lay it out because uh, the idea generated in your brain and I don't want to botch it, frankly. So why don't you describe what we're going to do today?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking of, of podcast topic ideas, and a lot of times we just go to something easy like five guys that we're watching or whatever, and, and I was just thinking, you know, it'd be fun, like it would be a fun exercise to where, you know, we could draft players that we think are going to have good games based on what we expect to come out of this game. Um, so it's a way for us to have a little fun exercise and also dive into six players that uh, we think are going to play well and/or be really important um, to uh, to the game, and because we're going to do, you know, we're going to do it qualitatively, not quantitatively necessarily. We can pick somebody like Trent Williams, and if Trent Williams has an awesome game, there aren't necessarily going to be numbers that back it up. But we could say, hey, Trent Williams had an awesome game. That was a good pick, right? So it's not always about like it's not going to be about fantasy and yards and carries and, and all that stuff. It's just going to be about. You know which 49ers will be impactful on Sunday in their matchup against the Eagles.
1: All right, this will be fun. I'm excited for this idea. I'm going to let you go first. Wow, that's so nice of you.
3: You're going to have the first overall pick. So we're each going to pick three. We'll go back and forth, six players total.
1: Okay, so I'm starting with George Kittle. I like and that. I think George Kittle is going to have a huge game because... I think Garoppolo is going to be under a little more pressure than he was against Detroit. He's going to be looking for those quick throws. I think we're going to see a lot of misdirection stuff where Garoppolo gets on the move outside the pocket and he just hits those easy throws where George Kittle's running with him. And on top of that, uh, the Eagles linebackers aren't aren't a great group in coverage. They, have you
3: heard of Jannard Avery, Eric Wilson, or Alex Singleton? Because those I are have not heard three of any players
1: I've never heard of in my life.
3: And they're projected starters for the Eagles of Philadelphia on Sunday,
1: right? So, and to boot, uh, their starting safeties, Kavon Wallace and uh, Anthony Harris, both really struggled in coverage uh, against against the Falcons. So, yeah. um. I think George Kittle, this is a great matchup for him. He had four catches for I think seventy-three yards against the Lions. I had the in that
3: in that ballpark.
1: He he had a he had a decent game, but I think he's gonna have a really nice game against Philadelphia because the 49ers are A, gonna need to uh utilize him against against Philly's pass rush, but B, I just don't think Philly has anybody that can that can hang with him
3: totally agree that would have been my first pick given the lack of um i guess talent in the middle of the in the middle of the um eagles defense beyond their their front four uh so great pick uh i think kittles kittles gonna be um it's gonna it it should be a big george kittle game i'm in full agreement on that uh so for me my first pick hmm this is tough I'm going to go with Nick Bosa, even though the Eagles offensive line is really good. I think Bosa's good enough. I mean, the fact that he came in and, you know, it wasn't just like he had a few really good pass rushes. It was also, you know, beating um, Penesul inside on those running plays. Right. And just being an overall very, very good football player and and versatile right not just pass rushes but also runs um really just a, a player that could make a big difference and if the 49ers win this game i think there's a strong possibility it's going to correlate with a big a big performance from the pass rush because we've spent so much time talking about the cornerback issues that this team has i think Nick Bosa is, is due for a big game he's going to be playing on grass he's going to have um, you know, a game under his belt. He's going to have a normal practice week under his belt for the second straight week. Um, So I'm going to roll with Nick Bosa, even though I do think the Eagles have a very good offensive line, as Ross Tucker said. Jordan Maliata is really good. Lane Johnson obviously is really good. Um, But Bosa coming back is just an incredibly important player for the 49ers. And if they win, I think it's going to accompany a big performance from number 97.
1: Yeah, he's one of those players that can that can win against a really good left tackle. Yeah, like he's gonna win some snaps for sure, and I think too, um, especially on those those zone reads and and designed quarterback runs to the edge. His speed and athleticism on the outside is gonna be super important. So yeah, I think and- I think that's that's a good pick.
3: Even in the Super Bowl in 2019, like the Chiefs had two excellent tackles in that game, and Nick Bosa was still the best player on the 49ers' defense that day. Yeah, right. So Bosa I can the best be, player on the field overall. Yeah, yeah. Bosa can be um, he can he can hang with elite talent, and he yeah. he there. I think there are going to be games this year where it's very clear, like oh, Bosa is the best player on the field, and there yeah. are a lot of there there are going to be a lot of good players on the field when the 49ers play because they have a lot of good players
1: yeah yeah he's he's pretty matchup proof i think
3: yeah
1: my second pick maybe reaching a little bit here but jimmy ward okay ward was not very good against detroit the overrun he had on the screen that went for a touchdown was so atypical of jimmy ward and anything we've seen him do in his career he's such a good tackler you always see him take the right angle he might not you know get the interception or get the stop up near the line of scrimmage, but he's what, well, what did Robert Stoll call him? The eraser yeah. in the back end. He just, that's why they weren't giving up big plays in 2019 it was in large part because of Jimmy Ward. And um, I just, I think he's going to be a lot better this week. He didn't play at all in the preseason. Did he play at all in the preseason? Uh, He did not. So he didn't play in the preseason. He has a game under his belt. He knocked some of the rust off. And I think uh, the Niners are going to try and take away that short passing game and rely on Jimmy Ward more in coverage down the field, maybe even one-on-one against a guy like a Devontae Smith or a Jalen Rager. So I think it's going to, a lot is going to be put on Jimmy Ward's plate uh, against, against the Eagles. And I think he's going to bounce back and have a really nice game.
3: I like it. I like it. I, I would push back on the idea. Like it wasn't a good angle, but when you're I mean, it, no matter who you are, if you're going up against an NFL running back in space when he sure. has a full head of steam, it's just often but, very hard to make that play. It wasn't like it wasn't like there were a bunch of 49ers that slowed down Swift early in that play. It was like he got to the second level yeah. and Ward had to hustle over there. But you're right. It was he it,
1: it was not a great look. Right. It wasn't like I'm not saying cut the guy. But it's just, if you told me like, hey, this play is going to happen, I'd be like, oh, well, that's the kind of play that Jimmy Ward comes up in, and figures out how to get a stop. Right. And he just kind of overran it. Like I said, in a way that's atypical, I think, of Jimmy Ward. Not blaming him. Um, yeah. I just think uh, I think he's better than he was on Sunday, just outside of that
3: play in particular. For sure. Um, okay. So I'm up. Pick number four. I'm going to go off-brand a little bit. Oh, or no. At least off, off my own personal brand. Um, I'm going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, because. Oh my, we should have snake drafted by the way, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) To the point about George Kittle, probably having a big game. If George Kittle has a big game, then there's a pretty good chance that Jimmy Garoppolo has a big game. All right. That's fair. Um, I, so Jimmy Garoppolo averaged 12.6 yards per attempt, right? It was just an incredible, efficient passing performance from Garoppolo. And I think the thing that was so notable about it was just the context of what Jimmy Garoppolo's looked like in other week ones, right? In 20, 2018, he wasn't very good against the Vikings in week one in 2019. He wasn't very good against Tampa Bay in week one. And he threw pick sixes in both of those games. Um, he was really sharp. I think it was pretty clearly Jimmy Garoppolo's best week one performance um, in 2020, obviously that lost to Arizona. He wasn't very good. Um, so I think that the Eagles defense is going to provide the 49ers some opportunities to make big plays. And I think if there's really a concern about picking Garoppolo to have a big game on the road against an Eagles defense that might not be great on the back end or linebacker, but has a really good defensive front. I think Kyle Shanahan has proven that he can he can get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly just through scheme and design, right? Right. We saw it when the 49ers were without both their starting tackles. Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley early on in 2019. They had to go down and play the Rams with two backup tackles. and I think they did it against Cleveland too. Maybe McGlinchey played in that game. but um, the point stands like Kyle Shanahan understands when he's at a mismatch. Uh, disadvantage and he's able to you know particularly against the pass rush design an offense to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly Um, so I think that's going to be what the 49ers offense looks like this week because the Eagles have such a good defensive line Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of design plays to Kittle I think there's going to be a lot of play action and if Jimmy Garoppolo is as sharp in a hostile environment as he was uh, in Detroit um, that's obviously going to be that's going to go a long way towards determining the outcome of the game. Right. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo is in good form. I think George Kittle should have a big game, which is, which is why I, I, I would have picked him second. If you didn't pick him first. Um, and there's also, you know, the Debo Samuel factor who remains on the board as we're four picks into this six pick draft, by the way. Um, (laughs) but I, I think there's, uh, I just think there's potential for Jimmy Garoppolo here to have a nice game against the Eagles defense because of Kyle Shanahan and because of the surrounding pieces like the receiver and like the tight end. So to your point about Jimmy Garoppolo,
1: the game plan that you just laid out sounded a lot like their game plan last year against the Rams in Santa Clara. Yeah. And in that game Garoppolo 23 of 33 for 268 and three touchdowns. And uh, additionally to your point, George Kittle, Uh, Had a big game that night too. Um, He was seven catches for 109
3: and a touchdown. Yeah. A tutty in Kittle's case.
1: A tug, if I may. (laughs) Okay. So going along those lines, I really want to, I really want to pick the player that you just mentioned, Debo Samuel, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to. Oh, wow. You're going to leave him on the board for me, huh? I am. Wow. Cause okay. I'm picking Brandon. Ayuk. no, I'm joking. Wow. <laughs> that would be, um,
3: that would be quite, quite the take gutsy, at this moment be, in time.
1: Right. It'd be a gutsy pick. No, um, I'm going to go hipster and I'm going with Alex Mack.
3: Oh, I like it. Because if,
1: if the 49ers are going to win, it's going to require the interior of their offensive line to be really, really good because Philly's defensive interior is excellent.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And, Mac doesn't need to have the best game he's ever played, but the Niners got eaten alive inside last year by Philadelphia. And I think that you bring in a player like Mac to keep that from happening. So uh, he was good last week against the Lions in his first game back. I expect him to be good against this week, good again this week. And I think they're going to rely on him a lot uh, to, you know, maybe take on some of these defensive linemen one-on-one. And when he's not, you know, helping Lakin Tomlinson, really helping out Daniel Brunskill, and just kind of doing a little bit of everything along the interior of the offensive line. So maybe Mack doesn't have a good game, but I think if he doesn't, I think we see the 49ers struggle and vice versa. If he's really good, I think the Niners are going to get what they want offensively.
3: Yeah, and I'm really curious to see what type of game Daniel Brunskill has and Mm -hmm. how uh, having Alex Mack next to him can impact that, right? Because Alex Mack can change protections. Alex Mack can do pre-snap things to to make life easier on Daniel Brunskill, who's more than likely going to be going against Fletcher Cox. Right. So um if I'm the Eagles, I am I am focusing on the right guard spot. And that puts a lot of pressure on Alex Mack to your point. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I think that's a that's a very intriguing pick. Thanks. Um, I like I like your hipster thinking there. All right. So I, I'm just gonna go with Debo Samuel then. Um sure. because You know, like, I think I think him and Darius Slay matchup, like, I think that's going to be really fun. Um, Just from, like, a a football perspective, like their best corner versus the 49ers' best receiver right now. And we can talk about Brandon Ayuk after this draft if we want. Um, But nine catches, 189 yards. I mean, making plays downfield. uh, That's really the evolution that the 49ers were hoping to get from Debo Samuel this year and not just be that – you know, jet sweep running play uh, guy. Right. So they <laughs> actually, it's a pass play. I'm going to do that every time you tweet about it, by the way. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, the, it drives me. Nuts. It's, it really does. it's an
1: asinine thing that the little six inch shovel pass on a jet sweep is considered a pass.
3: And he gets he gets yards after the catch for it. And it's not to say that Debo Samuel is not excellent after the catch because he is. Mm-hmm. But the stats where oh Debo Samuels yards after the catch are so crazy. It's like literally half of those <laughs> yards after the catch come on running plays. That's like it, it's
1: it's legitimately <laughs> like if you run a toss play to a running back, I know the ball goes backwards, but it travels further yeah. than yeah. that jet sweep action. Does. Yeah.
3: And I know it's a forward pass and I know that's that's what our buddy Nick always says. Um, and I think like does, you does legally, like,
1: like rule, like letter of the law, you understand why it's a pass. Yeah.
3: It is I a understand. forward, pa- like I'm with, but I just don't, I, I think it, it completely, when you look at his yards after the catch numbers, I think it dramatically inflates him sure. and it doesn't tell an accurate picture. Sure. Right. So yes. that's, that, that's, that's the, my point on that. But so you
1: think Debo's is not good after the catch. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
3: Um, no, but I, I think I think Samuel's gonna be a really important player for the 49ers. Maybe even more important than I anticipated. Look, I, I thought Debo Samuel had a really good camp, but I I reiterated throughout the summer that I thought Brandon Ayuk would be the team's number one receiver because Ayuk is just or was a a more versatile, more refined downfield weapon than Samuel was. And until Samuel could stay healthy and in evolve his game to the point where he's making plays downfield and he's improving his route running. Um, then, you know, you, you just, I, I just wondered if he would be more of a gadget player who could do some of that receiver stuff, but now it looks like Samuel's shaping into a fully formed wide receiver. And if he can do that, then that's huge for the 49ers because, and maybe this is how we transition to Brandon Iuke after we, we recap this little draft we did, but I mean, it the 49ers need somebody to be a viable pass catcher outside of George Kittle, right? Like the offense, mm-hmm. the, the offense is, is really limited if George Kittle is your only threat downfield. So I think, um, I think Samuel's really important. I think he played phenomenally uh, Sunday in Detroit and I think he has an opportunity to, to you know, have like a really big season in this offense, no matter who's a quarterback really. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think he has star potential and uh, and his game against Detroit, albeit against a really terrible defense, really opened up my eyes just in terms of the way he's getting better, and so that's why uh, that's why I'm I'm picking him six in this in this draft we did. So to recap, you took George Kittle, yeah. I took Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. You took Jimmy Ward. Yep. I took Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. You took Alex Mack, and I took Debo Samuel. Yeah. So we can revisit this on Sunday. Yeah, um, I think we should. I'm going to and- keep it. If you're, I think if next you're out... time we snake draft it though. <laughs> we can do an auction.
1: Like you, me, me, you, you, me.
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, if you're on Twitter, let us know if you if you enjoyed this draft and if you think it was a good way to <laughs> to preview the uh the upcoming game because this could be a regular thing we do when we record our last pod of the week. To, switching it up to oh, three screw pods what. a week.
1: Screw for Twitter feedback. We're doing it.
3: Okay. I thought it was great. Okay. Well, this I'm is who you, I, that's who I do the show like. for okay good <laughs> um yeah i mean it we just you know coming up with three pods a week we gotta be a little bit more creative with content when we can't just get guests all the time so um this was fun and and we can revisit it and maybe make it um you know competitive in some way down the down the line but love it um also doing some uh some other things with the pod doing some like news breaks yeah um the first one came out thursday we're recording this thursday so but and I'm, i think i'm gonna do another one after this but um we got it real tight it was like eight minutes and it was all the news from wednesday and then uh we're I, i'm it's gonna be something i'm gonna try to add to the feed as much as possible um as much news as there is because if we can get like just all the news in audio form in five to ten minute episodes i think that could be something people really like um, so, you know, I know people enjoy us, but they don't always want to sit through 10 mm. minutes of, of, of our banter and, uh, and, you know, listen to an hour long pod talking about a game. Sometimes people just want the news. So I think we can offer them that with, uh, with these candlestick chronicles news breaks. So keep an eye out for that. If you haven't listened to the one that came out on Thursday, check that one out. Um, and let us know if you like it and, and we'll keep doing that going forward. I think it's going to be a good supplement. Um, to what we do here in the pod, and potentially, you know, moving forward, it could be something that um, that we continue to do if it's successful. So, let us know if you like it.
1: Download, subscribe, review.
3: But, anyways, do we, do we want to have a Brandon IU conversation before we get out of here?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, it's weird. So, look, I I'm not hitting the panic button on Brandon Ayuk yet. I'm not either because I think what Kyle Shanahan said on Wednesday really jumped out to me because he mentioned the hamstring injury right after the game. And he said, you know, he had the hamstring. But I think that was taken to mean that's why he didn't play that many snaps because people were like, well, then why was he returning punts if you're worried about him being hurt? But I think the hamstring was related to what he said on Wednesday, which was, yeah, he had this hamstring injury and couldn't practice, so he was inconsistent, and Trent Shurfield ha- was as good going in. And the Niners don't run a ton of three-receiver sets, so it's not like there's a ton of opportunity to put them both on the field. Um, I don't expect Trent Shurfield to continue being better than Brandon Ayuk, and I think Ayuk is eventually going to Regain this any snaps that he lost to Trent Sherfield and continue being a big part
3: of the offense moving forward. Completely agree. I, I think, you know. Oh, I thought you were going to disagree. <laughs> no, I, I think a lot of times what we do, and I've done this a lot too, because you know when when you cover a team and you deal with somebody who's generally forthright like Kyle Shanahan, you tend to fall into a trap where you can take their word as gospel and i'm not i'm not calling kyle shanahan a liar when he says when he says anything but there are some things that you have to take a step back and realize okay this is about messaging and this is about um kyle shanahan saying what he needs to say in order to get the right message across to his players right like I look at Kyle Shanahan speaking at a press conference the same way I would look at Kyle Shanahan speaking in front of a team or speaking in front of his team in particular. And, and he clearly has a message for them. And so anything that he says public, he understands that his entire team is going to be listening. Right. So he's talking like a coach, which that messaging isn't always the same as what's going on in the offensive meeting room when he's talking with Wes Welker and he's talking with um you know the rest of his coaches about game planning for sunday he's just not going to reveal those secrets so when kyle shanahan says you know he's not in the doghouse whatever i think if you read between the lines and you look at how kyle shanahan started that quote on wednesday you know eric branch our buddy talked to, to ask kyle shanahan that question and ask if if Brandon Ayuk had taken his foot off the gas and the first two words of Shanahan's answer were not totally. Right. So there is an element of that, right? There's an element of something going on with Brandon Ayuk to where he's not playing up to his potential and maybe something's going on behind the scenes with Brandon Ayuk. Um, But ultimately what speaks louder than what Kyle Shanahan says in a press conference is how Brandon Ayuk is used in games. Right. So like Brandon Ayuk is clearly healthy enough to play. He's healthy enough to return punts. And what Kyle Shanahan continued to say on Wednesday after saying not totally um, to open that answer was that he needs to be better than Trent Shurfield in order to get those snaps. And he just hasn't been better than Trent Shurfield. Like that's pretty that that in Kyle Shanahan's mind, like that's that's how he sees it. And that's pretty cut and dry, for my opinion. That that says everything that Kyle, that Kyle Shanahan needs to say about what's happening. So for whatever reason, and the reasons are still sort of unknown, I, I believe um, Brandon Ayuk is, is expected to speak to reporters tomorrow on Friday. Um, so at, at the, this might be a moot point when it comes out. But, um, you know, there, there, there could be something revealed when, when Ayuk does talk to the media, whether it's you know, recovering from the injury, whether it's something with his mindset. I just think that um, we're going to know about Brandon Ayuk and his standing with Kyle Shanahan based on how he's deployed on Sunday and whether or not um, he get if he gets the vast majority of those snaps, then we'll know he's had a better week of practice than Trent Sherfield, and we'll know he's taking steps in that area um, in terms of his preparation and. All of the other things that go along with being a Kyle Shanahan receiver, aside from just making highlight catches, right. And running good routes. It's like, you have to block, you have Mm -hmm. to uh, you have to know all the play calls. You have to understand how much depth you need to get on any given route. You have to aggressively come back and fight for the ball when you're, coming back on Mm -hmm. a a, you know on a comeback route you have to beat a corner to a spot because the quarterback's going to put it there and if you don't beat the corner to that spot then it could be an interception going the other way for a touchdown right so there are a lot of things that go on um, for Kyle Shanahan's receivers that are just beyond what we think or what people generally think or associate with what's what's playing well at receiver look like right like Juwan Jennings Mm -hmm gets a lot of praise from Kyle Shanahan because of his attitude and, he, and the way he blocks.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Like he's not out there making circus catches all the time. He's not even fast, <laughs> but it's just an attitude that he brings. And, you know, Juwan Jennings threw a block on Elijah Mitchell's touchdown like that. That's where that stuff manifests itself. So, right. Um, Brandon, Ayuk just needs, I, I, we'll, we'll have a better idea of where Brandon Iuk is after this week. I don't know that he's necessarily in the doghouse, but I, I'm not buying that because Kyle Shanahan said, you know, everything's great with Brandon Iyuk that that's necessarily true. Right. I think Kyle Shanahan has things he needs to say. And Kyle Shanahan also has a very discreet way of sending a message and what's less discreet. Uh, I mean, s- sending a message in a press conference, but what's far less discreet is what is going to happen on Sunday in terms of how Brandon Iyuk is utilized and how many snaps he gets in comparison to Trent Shurfield. Yeah, we know that Shanahan can be
1: like pretty hard on receivers, at least it seems that way, based on his entire 49ers tenure. And you have Muhammad Sanu talking about how Trent Shurfield is textbook Trent and he does everything by the book. You could understand why Kyle Shanahan might really fall in love with a guy like that who's just maybe not as talented as I but he's just going to do everything right on every play. Um, so you could see where that could happen the Niners have to me this is going down two roads one of two roads one they have a bad problem and that is that Trent Sherfield is probably like a third or fourth receiver in a good offense and Brandon Ayuk is kind of just trending that direction or Brandon Ayuk is still awesome and it just turns out Trent Sherfield is also awesome sure. and all of a sudden they have three really good receivers the same way they did when they went to the Super Bowl in 2019. So yeah. I don't I don't know which way that is. Like you said, we will learn a lot
3: on Sunday. Yeah. And and I think it's fair. Like what happened with Dante Pettis, I think correctly raises the alarm bell on Kyle Shanahan and maybe the relationship he has with players. Um, but I don't, you know, I a lot was made this week about, you know, is Kyle Shanahan too hard on guys? Is Kyle Shanahan um does he does he reach players and is he a good coach to get the most out of players? Like if you look at the 49ers roster and this and the stars that they have, like Kyle Shanahan's coached those guys well enough, right? Yeah. You know, Kendrick like, Bourne the, got paid. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne got paid, but I'm, I'm talking about like whatever coaching, however, Kyle Shanahan coaches, it worked with George Kittle. You know, it worked with Trent Williams. The the reason why the 49ers were able to get Trent Williams at a discounted price is because Trent Williams wanted to come to the 49ers to play for Kyle Shanahan.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Right. Like Richard Sherman wanted to come to the 49ers because he really believed in Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. Right. And the way he coaches. And so, you know, we had Joe Staley on the pod last week but, and Joe Staley talked about the culture and the way that Kyle Shanahan coaches the team and, and uh, how players react to that. Um, And, you know, so I think a lot of times, and I, you know, I'm not going to speak in broad terms that this is true for every player, but a lot of times players just underperform. Like it happens. Like I have bad weeks at work. You have bad weeks at work. Sometimes that happens. And sometimes with a football player, Maybe something's going on behind the scenes. Maybe he's going through a mental issue. Maybe uh, the injury is lingering, and he's trying to fight through it. And he's getting, um, you know, a little bit annoyed because the hamstring issue isn't going away, and that's weighing on him. Like there, there are a, a thousand issues that could be going on with Brandon Ayuk, and and we're all just speculating at this point. But I mean, a lot of times we just forget that these are real people too, who sure. go through peaks and valleys like anybody else. And we expect these people to, you know, we, we expect these guys to just be at a thousand percent all the time because there are people who are like Fred Warner is a thousand percent all the time. George Kittle is all the time. Trent Williams is all the time. Um, I think Alex Mack probably is all the time. Like, you know, I, I think Trey Lance has some of that to him. Right. He's just very raw and inexperienced, but he could potentially get there. And I think that's what Kyle Shanahan likes about him. But it's hard. It's not always easy for everybody to be at that level all the time. And so, you know, that could be what Brandon Ayuk is going through unless it's something else. And maybe I'm totally wrong here. But um, uh, I'm I I'm very optimistic about Ayuk because I've seen. I mean, he was he was really, really difficult to cover early on in training camp. Mm -hmm. And that lasted as long. You know, that that was true down in L.A. when the Chargers were having joint practices with them. Um, so he did have the drops. Maybe the drops have something to do with this. Um, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, I'm with you in that I'm optimistic that Brandon I, you can and will bounce back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also think it's fair to look at what happened with Dante Pettis and say, you know, gosh, I hope this doesn't happen again. Because I think that's a reasonable yeah. take to have too.
1: Yeah, the the one thing I, I I do point to when it comes to Dante Pettis being in the doghouse in his second year. And whatever the heck is going on with Ayuk. Pettis played two snaps in the 2019 opener.
3: Right.
1: Like he was a effectively a non-factor. Right. So Ayuk hasn't wasn't there. Um true. And if the 49ers were running the uh Cardinals offense, where it's a ton of three and four receiver stuff, Ayuk would have been on the field a lot the Niners just ran three receiver sets at the third lowest rate last year or last right. week. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And it's a, it's a concern, but like I said, if it like, for example, if you have Brandon, I, in can fantasy. It's not like cut him. No. And hang
3: on to him. Yeah. I, I mean, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I agree. A hundred percent. I think, um, Yeah, I think he's too good. Like he's he was excellent last year, and he is. And it's also uh, on the other side of it too. It's just like, and I know Nick tweeted this, but it is naive to just like take Kyle Shanahan's his quotes and just say, "Oh, he's not in the doghouse. Everything's fine."
1: Well, you've got to know how to read it. Yeah, (laughs) read between the lines.
3: Right. If you just you know follow the breadcrumbs and and. You know, talk to people outside of just Kyle Shanahan in a, in a press conference and, and you're more likely to get kernels of truth than just a coach who's, I don't want to say he's grandstanding, but like. He's coach speaking. He's coach speaking and coach speak is not always a thousand percent accurate. So, right. Um, I got a text while I was ranting about Brandon Ayuk that uh, my broken driver that I just dropped off like two hours ago is already ready to get picked up
1: oh hell yeah let's get out of here though. So should i
3: should i work or just go get my driver and go to the driving range go get your driver and go to the driving range what are you talking about work i need to work i, I am gonna go pick up the driver but i do need to work boo i mean it's i got annoying. content to make man the people the people are are craving content and i gotta get I gotta a nice portable mic current. get a nice portable mic and just
1: record that shit on the way to the driving range
3: I mean, the issue is, is Mike I, with a is lightning I like, cord narrate with the it? iPhone. <laughs> Let narr- Siri narrate. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> ju- just have a whole podcast with Siri speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Dre Greenlaw out for the season or out for what, six to eight weeks with the with a groin injury. We didn't except talk about she that would, at all.
1: Actually. Except she would be like, Dre Greenlaw is an American football linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs>
4: Yeah, Drake uh, Greenlaw's
1: out six to eight weeks. He had surgery on his groin. Groin, hip area. Um, Groin, hip, core muscle.
3: So I did, when I went back and rewatched the game um, from Sunday, I one of my takeaways, and this hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention, I don't think, but like Aziz Alshire had a pretty nice game. He was great. And he, he had a lot best of Best game like, of his career big hits and pass breakups and i was like pass
1: breakup on third down against tj hawkinson on the lions last drive was like the play of the game yeah i was going to put
3: him in like a third and three he looks a lot bigger like he looks like sort of an imposing Mm -hmm. linebacker now and i didn't used to think i think it's the elbow brace you think so i I just i think he's he's gained weight i think um i think he's got potential to be a good player he looked Um, as good as he's ever looked as a pro against detroit yeah i think that's fair to say so um in terms of like losing Dre Greenlaw is obviously a big loss and of course he made a lot of big plays in 2019 um but in terms of like losing a linebacker I don't I, I think they can survive this one and I, I think, think with maybe the exception of Jason Verrett given their depth issues at corner even Raheem Mostert like I think Mostert and Greenlaw are survivable injuries these aren't injuries that are going to cost the 49ers their season in the way that other injuries last year cost the 49ers a chance at contending right I agree so their defense gets
1: gets a little worse I think if it's Demetrius Flanagan Foles on the field instead of uh instead of Greenlaw in three in three linebacker sets but I I think in in I agree in nickel with with warner and and alshire on the field i don't think you're going to see a huge drop off yeah and he's going to be important especially if if the eagles are going to do a lot of that short passing stuff that's going to require him to uh to have a good game
3: yeah and greenlaw has been dealing with this i think going back through the middle of august so I, I think it's similar to Mostert in that it was like, all right, let's just get this fixed. So it can be fixed when he comes back and he doesn't have to try playing through it all season. Yeah. Um, that's my sense of it, at least. So that makes sense. I think that that's, you know, if they can get him back midway through the year, I think Al Shire is good enough to where there won't be a, a whole lot of drop off, like you said, because I feel like they, um, they have better depth that linebacker. Although um, now, I mean, trading your boy jonas griffith doesn't doesn't look like such a slam dunk as it as it did potentially right now i you're losing one you know, of your inside guys
1: i said at the time it was a huge mistake
3: <laughs>
1: been validated
3: bigger mistake trading to forrest buckner or jonas griffith go
1: jonas griffith
3: wow says it all
1: greatest indiana state athlete
3: <laughs> all right
1: <laughs> that's the pod who wins on sunday
3: I'm going to pick the 49ers, but I think it's going to be a nail biter. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think the Eagles pose a lot of problems. Um, but I think if the 49ers stay healthy and avoid any injury that like completely takes the wind out of the team's sails, like Jason Verrett's did, I, I think they, they should win pretty handily because I think Kyle Shanahan. Um, I mean, he's lost both his games against the Eagles and both were pretty brutal losses. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's lost on him at all. And the 49ers tend to play well on these second games when they're mm-hmm. um, you know, staying away for a week. So I think um it's gonna be a tough one, but I think the 49ers win.
1: It definitely has potential to be that week two game that just kind of erases week one. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, Philly's blowout win over the Falcons was just the Falcons being really bad. And oh yeah, the Niners blew the Lions out. They just had some weird stuff happen at the end of the game. And the Niners, you know, kind of roll a little bit. That wouldn't surprise me at all. On the other hand, I think you you asked Ross about the atmosphere. I think that's going to be an insane place on mm-hmm. Sunday. Like, Philly fans are nuts to begin with. Yeah. And then you, you get them in a scenario where they haven't been in the stadium in a couple years. Um, their defensive line is excellent. And I think their offensive line is good enough to kind of negate the 49ers' strength on defense. I think the Eagles win, if I'm betting on it. Wow. But I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be really close and a really good game. Um and if it's not close like that, like I don't think the Niners are gonna get blown out. If it's a blowout, I think the Niners are gonna be doing it. But the way the way last year's game against the Eagles was close, I think that's kind of how this one's gonna go. With the Niners playing better. I'm not saying that they're gonna look as bad as they did last year against Philly, but I don't know. I just that's that's kind of the vibe I get. Maybe I'm letting week, week one color my my portrait of the Eagles too much.
3: Rich Rich Gangarello revenge game.
1: <laughs> Great point, <laughs>
3: Nate. Um, eerie revenge yeah. game. Yeah, I I, I think it's going to be a tough game. I mean, the thing for me is is the Eagles look much better than I thought they would be coming yeah. into the season.
1: Yeah. I I I picked the Falcons to win that game. I didn't think the Eagles are going to be good at all. And I thought the Falcons might have a shot to be okay. And it looks like it looks like the the
3: opposite is true. I uh, like yeah, I don't like so like Ross said, and I, I noticed this too when when watching that game, if the Eagles are just throwing everything underneath, that's that's a huge win for the 49ers. I agree. Because I agree. I mean, the, with their cornerback situation, if they're able to keep everything in front of them, like let them throw bubble screens and do all that stuff. That's not going to win them the game. They're yeah. not going to bubble screen the 49ers to, to death. It might be effective early on, but um, that's not a way to, to beat a really good team. You have to make plays downfield. Exactly. Um, so I I think if, if that's their plan, if it's just to dink and dunk and they're not getting plays over the top, then I think that favors the 49ers in a big way.
1: Yeah. Al Shire, speaking of him real quick, and yeah. speaking of screens, he diagnosed a screen really nicely last week and had a tackle for a loss. And that just, again, when you talk about can they overcome a Dre Greenlaw injury, if he's going to make plays like that, Yeah, uh, they're going to be fine. I meant to bring that up, and then I forgot. And then you said screens, and I remembered. So that's also, how we're going to end this podcast. Oh, no, we have one more thing.
3: Fred Warner, good player. Really? Didn't go in our draft. Yeah, it but... felt like I wanted to go hipster with the last one. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, yeah, Fred, like it's just a given. Fred Warner's gonna be really good.
3: Has as <laughs> Fred Warner had a bad game? You ever been like, man, Fred Warner stunk today?
1: I don't think I've ever, I can't remember when it was, but there was definitely a game where it was like, wow, Fred Warner, I don't think I heard his name. But um, no, there's never been a like, man, that was, oh, they really picked on Fred
3: Warner today he there there were some rough like tackling games i think in 2018 when he was a rookie yes but not um it never felt like oh warner's liability to get him off the field
1: yeah he it was really clear he was going to be good yeah. all right still a good player fred warner take that with you i'm kyle madsen he's chris biederman this is campus state chronicles subscribe rate review if you haven't already Big thanks to uh, to Ross Tucker. Again, Ross Tucker Football Podcast at Ross Tucker NFL on social media. Myfrontpagestory.com. I'm going to go there and I'm literally going to get wedding gifts
3: from there. That's happening. I'm happy for you. I've been sold. Does Heather listen to the pod? Okay, good. Then, then she'll be delighted and surprised. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys uh, after the game Sunday.
4: Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy and vitality.